0: I'm sure uh, you will often have heard um, the newsreader on television saying something like this, a warning that uh, there will be some scenes in this report uh, that viewers might find distressing. Uh, And uh, that that is a sad reflection, isn't it, of, of the world we live in. I mean, this precious gift of sight that God has granted to us as human beings um, to look, for example, on the beauties of the natural world, um, to look upon the face of somebody very dear to us, uh, to look into the faces of our children as they grow up, dear friends that we meet perhaps after a long time. What a joy it is to be able to see them uh, and spend time with them. But but sadly, along with that, um, there are many things that we are forced to see one way or another which do do distress us uh, and cause us pain. And uh, we've seen plenty of those. Uh, It's one of the, I suppose, disadvantages, if you want to call it that, of having uh, the, the world news piped into our living rooms. But uh, I was thinking, and note, um, noticed this over recent months. Uh, very often, you know, we are told about the situation in Ukraine, and one of the things that's touched my heart is seeing quite young children uh, having to say goodbye to their fathers uh, with no certain knowledge they're ever going to see them again, uh, and that's heartrending, isn't it? Or to see some of the programs we get that point out to us the situation that's taking place in other parts of the world where there's been drought or famine. Uh, And very often we're shown scenes of children, little babies in hospital and, uh, you know, hardly more than skin or bone. And it's, 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 it's sad, isn't it? It's tragic. Is it tragic that we have to look upon things like that? But alas, we do. But here in the scriptures is a sight which is almost beyond imagining. Verse 17 of this 33rd chapter, your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Now, the land of Judah is in trouble Uh, Plainly, uh, they've turned away from God. You you get a sense of that, that the nation is in chaos, the infrastructure is collapsing. You pick that up when uh, God commends those who walk righteously and speak uprightly and so on and so forth. And that is obviously in marked contrast to the general behavior of the nation. It's become corrupt uh, and they've, they've forgotten their God. And and as a consequence, they, as as always happened in history, uh, and as a solemn warning to us in the 21st century, when a nation forgets their God, then only trouble follows, and we've got personal experience of that. And that's what's happened in Judah. And to make it worse, the enemy are camped on the border of the land, the feared and hated Assyrians can't wait to invade the land of Judah. And they're there, and they're ready to pounce. Uh, And it's against that that background that God grants his people, and there are some still, sadly, uh, thankfully, uh, in in Judah who are godly people uh, and have uh, sought God. You get it in verse 2 at the beginning of the chapter. We didn't read it, but it says, O Lord, be gracious to us, For we have waited for you, be their arm every morning, our salvation also in the time of trouble. They have prayed and God has heard them. And he grants them then this promise, this this hope, this prediction that one day uh, their eyes will see the king in his beauty. Now like many, many Old Testament prophecies, it's actually fulfilled at a number of different levels There's the more immediate fulfilment because if you read on through these chapters in Isaiah, you will see that the Assyrians are gathered, uh, uh, are ready to pounce, and Hezekiah, a godly king, goes before the Lord and pleads for God's mercy against the invading host. And it tells us later on in, in the next chapter or two that he clothes himself in sackcloth which was a a typical way of expressing your humiliation uh, and your desperate need. So here's a king normally accustomed to the fine robes of a monarch dressed in sackcloth. But God says the time will come uh, when you will see the king again in his kingly robes. And that is exactly what happened because God, uh, Hezekiah prays, uh, and the record will tell us that the armies of the Assyrians were defeated. An angel of the Lord descended upon the camp of the Assyrians uh, and, and struck them down. And so that was the end of their campaign of invasion at that time. And the land was safe. And Hezekiah once more was able to put on those, that clothing, those garments which are fitting for a monarch. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Uh, That's the immediate um, fulfilment of the promise. But also, surely there are hints of the gospel here, aren't there? As you look forward into the future, there are hints of the gospel here because it's one of the significant things, isn't it, about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, how often he healed the blind. Uh, I think it might be true to say that of the many miracles that Jesus did perform, maybe... Uh, bringing sight to the blind was the most frequently recorded. I've not, I've not done the statistics for this, so I might be wrong, but, but it strikes me. It's a very often a feature of his uh, earthly ministry, bringing sight to the blind. And you've got to think of them, these people, most of whom we read have been blind from birth, never seen anything, when their eyes are opened. And the first sight is that of the face of the Lord Jesus I think that's a beautiful sight, don't you? It certainly would have been for them. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. But there is another level of fulfillment that goes way beyond that. And I think that is hinted here. Your eyes, when you read, will see the king in his beauty. They will see a land that is very far off. We've got a promise that was uh, uh, fulfilled in Hezekiah's reign, was fulfilled in the days of the Lord Jesus and his ministry, and will be fulfilled one day way into the future. And it centers around this glorious possibility. One day we will see the king, and we will see him in his beauty. A far-off land, a new heavens and a new earth. And at its very centre, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, King of kings, Lord of lords. And those who know him, trust him, follow him, they will be privileged actually to see him in that glorious day that waits us in the future. Uh, And that's what I wanted to do, my brothers and sisters. I wanted to preach about heaven Uh, and and I think that's what we need I mean we're going through a difficult time I appreciate that in in many ways we can identify can't we, what I told you about Myanmar because we too have our anxieties Uh, our government is in chaos or appears to be Uh, and the future is pretty bleak Uh, many are worrying how they're going to pay their heating bills is it a question of heating or eating we get all that Uh, 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 and and, and all these things are crowding in upon us. And we're only human, after all, and and, and, uh, they naturally do cause us apprehension and fear. What is the future going to hold? What is this winter going to be like? And then there's the ever-present threat of the National Health Service breaking down, so if you get sick, you know what's going to happen then. It's natural that we should be very nervous worried about that. And in the midst of all that, all our troubles and the cost of living going up and so on and so forth, all our troubles, this is what we need to do, my friends. We need to lift our eyes and have expectation and hope because these things, believe it or not, are only temporary. They will pass. And the future is glorious. Uh, 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 And at the centre of this glorious, glorious future that awaits the people of God is the sight of the king in his beauty. Well, we can follow that through. That's what I wanted to do tonight to preach about heaven. Here is the majestic kingdom Uh, that is is described for us in these verses. What, What will it mean? How gloriously different it will be. Well, one of the things uh, we read is that uh, bitter memories will be seen for what they are, only memories. Your heart will meditate on You'll remember. You'll remember the tribulations and the trials you passed through. You'll remember them, and you'll say, where are they now? They're gone. Those who oppressed us, our enemies, where are they now? Where are those who measured us and said they were going to bring down the strongholds of this Christian faith. You'll look back uh, and you'll have that memory and you'll say, they're gone. Uh, our, our king has conquered and they will trouble us no more. Uh, and all the various, it's, it's in poetic language, of course, so remember that, but, but uh, th- those who oppress the people of God will be gone forever in that glorious future. Uh, uh, so so instead, instead of that, what do you get? You get a quiet home. That's, that's what it tells us, doesn't it, in verse 21 there. The majestic Lord will be for us, a place of broad rivers and streams in which no galley with oars shall sow, no, no, uh, no fears of enemies invading us. This will be a Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, a quiet home. There it is in verse 20, a quiet home. Peace and quiet at last. We don't know too much of that, do we, in our earthly lives? We certainly don't know too much of it at the moment with the various challenges that face us. Just to be able to relax and be quiet, a quiet home. A home, I love that. Uh, However you think of heaven. And what you ever conceive about heaven, you get the glimpse of it in the scriptures. But I just like the way the Lord Jesus spoke of it. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. My father's house. In other words, it's a family home where the father is. And home's a very special place, isn't it? And that's what heaven will be like for the believers. It's going to be a quiet home. Peace at last. Uh, and that's a that's a wonderful that's a wonderful thought, to sustain us in a time of disquiet uh, and lack of peace. So, and there will be also peace and justice because there the majestic Lord will be, and He is our judge. We're not going to be dependent on the weaknesses of human judges. We get exasperated about that sometimes, don't we? And we see injustice on every hand. Uh, 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 and we fear if we run into some sort of trouble with criminals that we're not going to, as the victims, are not going to get a a fair crack of the whip. But here in this majestic kingdom, well, the Lord will be our judge, uh, and he will be our lawgiver because the Lord is our king. Uh, And it goes on to say also that there will be no sickness there. Verse 24, the inhabitants will not say, I am sick. It's gone. We're worried about sickness, naturally. Uh, Mark and his family are concerned about his dear mum. i right to be so. Uh, but that's all going to be gone. In those days, it'll all be gone. Such things will never enter into that quiet home that belongs to the people of God. No sickness and no sin also The people who dwell in it, this new heavens and this new earth, we read at the end of verse 24, will be forgiven their iniquity. You know, that thing that troubles all of us one way or another, somehow breaks in, somehow makes us start to think things we shouldn't think and say things we shouldn't say. We battle against it and we are given grace as the Lord's people to battle against it, but it's not always a victory, is it? Uh, And there are those sins that so easily beset us that we read of in the New Testament. And they come and they come and they come. And it's a fight, it's a fight. And very often we're not always the winners over the fight. And all that, no longer a struggle against sin in the world to come. That is the majestic kingdom. And the crowning experience of the majestic kingdom your eyes will see the king in his beauty. I want you to note the emphasis here. It says, your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Um, In other words, what has been described to us is more than just the sight of faith. We speak of it in those terms, don't we? We, we walk by faith and not by sight. Um, Jesus says, doesn't he, to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And that is the nature of our Christian life in this world, in this fallen world. Um, we are not privileged to actually behold, as they were in those three years of the Lord's ministry, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, any such vision of him has to be by faith but it's one of the things that happens when uh, the holy spirit works in the heart and he opens up our spiritual eyes uh, and we see the lord jesus for who he is as a wonderful loving savior and then we walk we continue in the rest of our earthly lives in that sight that side of faith we see him in that way but this is this is this is more real than that in a sense that's not the right way to put it,' more real because both are very real, but this is this is different, in other words, the emphasis your eyes will see these eyes will see physically will see the king in his beauty so so it's more than just the sight of faith uh, 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 and That is is the sight that will dawn on the eyes of believers. And the Bible teaches that. You will see him, says John, as he is. You will see him. Of course it requires, you understand this, don't you? But for us to see physically the king and his beauty, it requires, first of all, a risen bodily saviour. Otherwise it's meaningless, isn't it? Uh, unless you can actually see something substantial, you're not seeing anything, are you? So it requires this one great central truth of the gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ rose on the third day and they saw him physically. And then he ascended into glory where he belongs by right. And then this is the great hope, the prospect for the believing Christian. One day you too will see him. Uh, 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 a saviour, risen bodily, bearing still a a body of substance. And if it requires a risen bodily saviour, it also requires a bodily resurrection. Uh, And that is another great truth that you find when you read the New Testament. That, yes, the Lord will come And then all his people will rise bodily from their graves or wherever their remains have left and they will be blessed with a new body, a resurrection body, a body perfectly fitted for glory with eyes, with eyes, with eyes to see the king in his beauty. That is the glorious prospect of what awaits us if by faith we are walking with the Lord Jesus. That is what you can enjoy. That is the hope you can entertain in your heart if you will come to the Lord Jesus and cast yourself upon his mercy and trust him as your Savior. That's what awaits you. Glorious certainty a wonderful assurance. Surely to lift us aback above the Trials and tribulations of this present chaotic world, the majestic kingdom, and it's the believer's hope. I, th- I think, again, uh, of those three years of the Lord's ministry and uh, uh, of that oft-repeated miracle by restoring sight, blind Bartimaeus, the man born blind, others, you know, who received that special miracle from the Lord's hand, who opened their eyes for the first time and saw him. Saw him smiling down at them. Your sight will be restored to you, and the eyes are opened that have never seen anything before, and they see him first and foremost of all uh, 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 and that is, that is that is such such a must have been such, uh, such a sight for them, such a joy, such a wonder. And, and during the eyes during the time of his earthly ministry, there were, there were those during those three years who, who were granted perhaps a bit more weren't they than, uh, than the walking by faith and not by sight. Uh, um, and they saw more of the Lord the king in his beauty. They'll see him physically in his human form, but they saw him in his beauty, Peter, James and John, on the Mount of Transfiguration, where just for a moment the veil was lifted and they saw him transfigured before them. I think it's a sight that Stephen saw in his last moments. I see heaven opened, And what does he see? I see the Son of Man. I don't think there's any doubt, you have to question, there's any need to question that Stephen had a physical sight Of the Son of Man standing at the gates of heaven. I'm absolutely persuaded that it wasn't just some uh, sort of dream or vision or fantasy. He saw, with his last glimpse almost of this world, he saw the Savior. Paul saw him on the Damascus Road. He actually saw the Lord Jesus in his glory, struck him to the ground and blinded him. Such was the sight. John saw him on the Isle of Patmos, exiled there on this rocky island. And he saw the Lord Jesus, and there's that wonderful description of the risen Lord there, isn't there, the first chapter of the book of Revelation. Well, they were privileged, weren't they, to see something special. But here's the wonder of it. Every believer will be privileged to see the same thing. Every believer uh, if there, if there, if you can think of a better encouragement to follow the Lord Jesus and be His disciple, it's difficult to think of one. There are many, of course. Of course, there are. But it's the end of the journey that counts, isn't it? The journey may be long and arduous, and it's a struggle to maintain it. And you have to walk by faith if you're going to maintain it. But with this one glorious prospect there's one glorious hope then you will see him in his glory a full a full unveiling of the king in his beauty so what then is the king in his beauty what is the sight that will dawn upon the eyes of all true believers when they enter into the new heavens and the earth and are confronted with him The Lord Jesus, their saviour, the one who loved them and gave himself for them. What what do you think consists of the beauty that belongs to him? That they will see, their eyes will behold. Well, of course it's just his splendour, isn't it? His magnificence, his glory. The sort of thing that John saw on the Isle of Patmos. The radiance of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There's beauty in that. I mean, a a, a splendid sight of magnificence is a beautiful sight, isn't it? But I think think we can say it's a wee bit more than that. It's that gaze of the bride upon her bridegroom on her wedding day. The two of them, the sharing love, one with another. It's the affection, it's the love. In the, in the eyes of the bridegroom as he looks upon his bride that that's that's will surely be the king in his beauty as far as uh, that poor struggling believer is concerned when at the end of the long and arduous journey and heaven dawns, heaven's morning breaks and earth's faint shadows flee away, see him and that'll be that'll be the 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 essence of his beauty to such a poor sinner come at last into glory. They will see him uh, and they will gaze upon him with wonder and with joy, the altogether lovely one. They will see the king. He had a head once crowned with thorns That was the price he was paid uh, in order that uh, his people might have this glorious prospect of seeing him. That they will see him uh, as the son of man. Just as Stephen did in his last dying moments. Uh, Because, you see, he rose from the grave. He assumed a body to come to our world. A body like yours and mine, with arms and legs and eyes and ears and lips and so on. He assumed that humanity in every respect. And that is the body with which he rose from the grave on that Easter Sunday. And that is the body with which he ascended into heaven. And that is the body which Stephen saw, the son of man. Still the Son of Man, even in glory. In other words, his, his glory does not mean he's going to be transformed into something different. It will just be transformed into something more wonderful. But still, still with eyes that see, to smile upon his people for whom he gave his life. Still... Uh, with marks in his hands and in his feet to show the wounds that he bore for their sake and lips, yes lips that will speak and say come, come my beloved and share my kingdom with me. I think that's what it means to see the king in his beauty, doesn't it? A man in perfection The man who having taken a body on our behalf in which he came to our poor suffering world and suffered and bled and died in that body and rose again in that body and ascended into heaven in that body, still there, the son of man. Uh, And he looks and he smiles and he opens wide his arms and said, welcome, welcome, my beloved, what what a glorious prospect. What a hope. As you're able to lay hold on that in the midst of our trials and tribulations, surely, is the antidote to despair, and desperation. We have great expectations. If you're a believer, you have great expectations. Uh, And, yeah, I'm preaching heaven tonight because I think it's what we need. Just as our brothers and sisters in the parts of the world we've mentioned who are suffering, just what we need. Lift our eyes above the trials and tribulations of the world and just contemplate what awaits us in the world to come. And at the very center, at the very center, the king in his beauty. And his beauty consists of the love he had for us when he came in the first place. And as our hymn, the hymn we're going to sing in a moment, says, The king there in his beauty is there to be seen. The bride eye is not her bridegroom, but her dear bridegroom's face. Now the bride eyes not her garment, <laughs> but her dear bridegroom's face. That's what we're going to sing in a moment. So I just want to ask you, do you have that expectation? Do you have such a hope? Is it going to lift you above the anxieties of these present days? Will it encourage you? Surely, surely there can't be anything better than that to look forward to. And it's promised. It's promised. Your eyes will see one day... The Bible tells us every eye will see him. When he appears, every eye will see him. For some, it will be the sight of terror. And they'll rush to hide themselves. They'll call upon the rocks to come and hide them from his gaze. That's the way it's going to be for some. You wouldn't want to have that sight, would you, of the risen Lord? Strike you with terror. And the awful prospect of a lost eternity, you will want to be assured that you'll see him in his glory and in his beauty. Well, it's the hope that sustains the believer, it's the great encouragement of the gospel preacher because he can say, like I'm saying, it could be yours, it could be yours. If you'll come one day, one day, you'll see the king in his beauty. What a prospect. What a hope.